the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Freedom with Adam Riojas. His goal is not only to inspire you to receive everything God has for you, but to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And now, here's your host, Adam Riojas. Welcome to today's show. We have an amazing guest today, Saif Hanash, and we will be the latter part of the show in chapter uh, four of Luke. So don't leave. And we we are taking a break from Daniel because of uh, the holidays and Christmas coming up. And and we want to make sure that when we get back in Daniel, we go right through. But without further ado, Saif, thank you so much for being on the radio show. We appreciate you. Um, and if you would tell our audience a little bit about yourself, uh, you know, take three, four minutes, and then we're going to go into a Q&A. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Adam. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, this is uh, this is an honor. It's such an honor to meet you a couple of weeks ago and uh, to spend time with you and your family and your church. Uh, my name is Saif, and uh, I grew up in Iraq. Uh, I, uh, I was raised in Baghdad for majority of uh, for the first 14 years uh, since I was born. And then the 2003 war hit, and then life just changed. So my story starts uh, just kind of us leaving uh, the Middle East, um, trying to get out of uh, Iraq, and uh, to go. You know, we there, the transition period was a difficult period of, of for us, for my family. Uh, eventually, we arrived to to the states in San Diego in 2008, and since then, um, you know, life has been life. I went to school, went to college. Uh, got an accounting degree, then uh, got into ministry, full-time ministry now, and uh, you know that's a, in a in a short version of of who I am. <laughs> hey Amen. So you left uh, um, Iraq at the age of what time? What age was that? Uh, we left when I was, I believe, eleven, a little oh. bit over eleven, and we spent two years in Jordan because you can't just get here. We got here legally, so we had to buy our visas and and wait until uh, all our paperwork are done. So we get to the states, and twenty four hours later, we have a social security number. Wow. So uh, we God. got in here kind of like the long way, but it was the proper way to do it. Amen. Um, and uh, so yeah, after from two thousand three, four, five, and six, it was just really bad in Iraq. It was. The probably the worst four years of the 2003 war. This is when we saw, uh, you know, the rise of terrorism, the rise of kidnapping, and and all the all the bad stuff that were happening. And certain, you know, certain events took place. And then my mom said, "We, we just can't stay here anymore." We were one of the very few Christian families in our neighborhood, and you know, people don't believe in persecution, but it's real. Amen. So you're Chaldean, actually. I am Chaldean. And, and you are a direct descendant of Abraham. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's yes, awesome. The land of war. <laughs> hey, tell me a little bit about uh, the culture of the Chaldeans. Yeah, uh, we have one of the richest and the oldest cultures known to man. I mean, you just said it. Yes. Descendants of Abraham, the land of Or. The Bible says he came out of the land of the Chaldeans. Shinar. And then we, exactly. And then we go forward and we see Chaldean coming up over and over again in the Bible. And you mentioned Daniel in the beginning. It's a, you know, that was the, uh, Babylon. Babylon was the land of the Chaldeans and Amen. Nebuchadnezzar was the king of the Chaldeans, right? Yes. He so was. we, we were, you know, in our past, we were, um, uh, you know, Gentile idol worshippers. We worshipped everything, just like you know most, uh, most you know most people, most, most nations, cultures, most nations outside of Israel, right? And uh, eventually, uh, one of the disciples went up and uh, went to the Middle East, and he preached the gospel to us. And uh, since then, we have been part of the Chaldean Catholic Church, which is uh, underneath the Pope, the Chaldean, uh, the Catholic Pope. That's pretty awesome. So, here, I have another question for you. So. You actually, there's no Chaldeans that are Muslim, is that correct? No, Chaldeans are Christians, uh, and they're the Christians of Iraq. Usually, uh, if they're Chaldeans or Assyrians, they descend from the land of Iraq. And so any Christians that's from Iraq, you usually say they're either Assyrian or Chaldean, which is pretty much the same thing. Because Syria used to be part of the bigger picture of— Syria, not uh, as—Assyrians are not from Syria. So Assyrians is uh, is the land of basically— 
So there were certain countries that were part of that. Turkey, I believe, won. Actually, I think Syria. Turkey, Syria, Iran, Iraq, and uh, and I think those are the few countries that I can remember on top of my head that were part of Assyria, the land, you know, the land of Assyria. Right. That's awesome. So Abraham, Abraham uh, gave birth to the Jewish nation. Right. So you guys are their direct descendants from the Chaldeans. Yes, yes. Uh, I just came back from Egypt and Iraq a trip, and while while I was on this trip, I was having these, you know, you know, with what happened on October seventh. I was just thinking a lot about Israel and Isaiah nineteen, and uh, you know how Assyria, which you know Chaldeans are, you know, from the land of Assyria, played that a big part of that. I was thinking about, you know. Um, Abraham gave birth to Isaac. Isaac gave birth to Jacob, who was named Israel. So technically, we gave birth to this nation of Israel. <laughs> right? And then I was thinking, the Bible says the Lord took Israel and he put, put them in the womb of Egypt to protect them and to preserve them and to grow them, right? Amen. Because, you know, there was famine. There were, they, they could die. Many nations can turn against them and kill them. So God took them and put them in the land of Egypt, in the womb of Egypt, it says in the Bible. So I thought that was cool. So we gave birth to them, and then God used the womb of Egypt to protect them and preserve them. And they're still going at it. <laughs> Amazing. Wow, praise God. But what's really interesting is is Abraham actually gave somewhat birth to the Arab nations as well, right? Yes. Because um, Ishmael, and um, he eventually had 12 sons, and they became leaders, and, and then they married with Egyptians and some of the people of the land as well. Right, definitely. So that's what we think about our uh, Arab, Arab brothers, right? Uh, they are the descendants of Ishmael. And, uh, you know, um, when I think about what's happening in the world right now, I think we can trace it to the birth of Jacob. Absolutely. Because something uh, magnificent happened when Jacob was born. And uh, obviously Ishmael and, you know, um, Ishmael was the older brother uh, from Hagar. That's and correct. then And Sarah, you know, got pregnant. She gave birth. And then the Bible says this verse, uh, Ishmael mocked Jacob. He did. And we see that mocking happening today. We see that spirit of Ishmael, that uh, brother versus brother, I'm better than you. And, you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to take that, you know, my father's is money, the, the, you know, all, all the inheritance, basically. The and it's that same spirit that's working today and what we see even in the Middle East between Palestine and, and Israel. And I think, you know, we, as, as an Arab, you know, um, we need to understand that. Like, we can't treat each other like that, especially um, we're supposed to be brothers. Amen. Amen. So when was your actually, uh, your coming to the Lord? Because Chalde- as far as I know, Chaldeans have either been Catholic or Christian. But what about you? When did you give your life to the Lord? Yeah. So um, I gave my life to the Lord at two stages in my life. Uh, one, when I was like nine years old in Iraq. I, uh, so um, although I was born, uh, you know, in the Catholic family, we didn't really practice the Catholic faith when I was uh, a kid. We were more Christians. Right. And uh, my sisters, ha- sisters had a huge influence on me when I was nine years old. So I remember the first time I gave my life to the Lord was when I was nine. And uh, I remember God was this big, powerful being. <laughs> and I didn't really understand. Him, but I knew I needed to love him and I knew, needed to understand him. So by from nine to like 10 and a half, almost 11, just before we left Iraq, uh, I was like just so in love with the Lord and love with the word of God. Matter of fact, I read the Bible in Arabic fully, you know, cover to cover at that age. And uh, then after the war, we moved, went to, <laughs> we went to Jordan. Jordan. And then, you know, what happened is I'm, uh, I'm youngest of eight. Well, you guys actually gave birth to Jordan as well. Technically. <laughs> From Lot. Right. <laughs> Technically. So we we go to Jordan, and in Jordan, um, I, I get separated from my family. So I'm youngest of eight, and it, end, uh, it ends up just me, my mom, and my sister, who is four years older than me. Uh, so my sister was, you know, teenaging like most girls. My mom was kind of paying more attention to her. I was this, like, 12, 11, 12 years old kid, kind of made bad friends, kind of started going into the world. That was the first time I really understood what pornography is and all that stuff. And I just, you know, I went haywire. Yeah. Full so, dive. Yeah. So that was kind of what took me away from my faith. And, and, and I didn't have that support anymore. You know, I had my sisters. We had a church. And all of a sudden, we're, uh, we're in Jordan. Now, the thing about Jordan, most people don't know, when I lived there for two years, we couldn't go to school. Why? Because we didn't have resident. We weren't residents of Jordan. So if you're not a resident, you can't go. You to can't school. go to school. And if wow. if they catch you, there is a chance they deport you. We could not let that happen because what that means is they'll they'll take us. They'll put us on the border. 
12 hours from Jordan, 12 hours from Iraq, what are you going to do, right? <laughs> so so we, we lived a, a life very conservative. Like you don't leave the house, and if you did, you can only do certain things. So I just ended up not going to school. Just all I did was have fun. You know, we would have people from here kind of support us just to make a living because you can't work, you can't go to school, you can't do anything. And so those those were like probably the most fun yet the worst years of my life just because they really took me away from who I was and, and you know, education-wise, right. family-wise, faith-wise. You said something really uh, uh, amazing. You said there were fun years, but there were also because the, yeah. sin is only fun. Yeah. For a season. Yeah, yeah. And then bam. No, definitely. I, I can look back and I say I had the most fun in those two years because all I did was play around. But at the same time, they were the worst years because that's what I got introduced to so many bad things that, you know, I, I kept doing for many years to come after. You know, even when I came to America, like I, I you know, I didn't come back and, and go back into my faith. No, I came here and I saw the freedom. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, you're out there, you're in high school, you're doing your best to, like, catch on in school. But at the same time, there's all these bad things you're doing, right? Absolutely. I mean, I remember when I first came to America, two major things happened. I go, and first month in school, I saw three, like, young 14, 15-year-olds pregnant. And I was confused. You know, I came from Iraq. We don't see that. So I go home, and I ask my mom, like, what's going on? She said, this is normal here. Just, you know. Don't sleep around. <laughs> okay. And then a month later, some some kid like my age, maybe a year older, walks up and tries to give me some weed. You were what how old were you at this point? I was in sophomore year in high school, so okay. 15, 16, 16 years 16. old. So he walks up, he tries to give me some weed. I'm like, I I, I don't want it. I got I, I can't afford it. He's like, no, don't worry, it's on me. And I I went home and I'm like, Mom, this happens. Like, I'm glad you didn't take it and don't take it because they'll try to get you addicted, then you'll be dependent on them and you'll be his customer for life. And I remember like sometime around around these months, my mom sat me down she's, and you know I was doing my dad passed so uh, I didn't really grow up with a father figure she sat me down she said safe um, growing old I don't have a, a husband or a man to run after you so I want you to know and promise me to not do these three things gamble take weed and uh, and just like you know sleep outside of marriage Wow! and I didn't gamble Words of wisdom. I didn't gamble I didn't do any drugs or weed but I didn't keep the third one <laughs> Anyway, immoral. Was, uh, yeah, I was, I was a little, yeah, so, I had a past of immorality. So, so what happened? How did you, all of a sudden, because you're now a missionary. Yes. I mean, you go back into the Middle East, uh, but what happened that's, that snapped it's, you back uh, and coming back to one Jesus? One word, an encounter. Um, you know, um, when my mom was pregnant with me, um, I've always known this, uh, she saw a baby on a stage preaching. When she was pregnant with me. Wow. When I was born, she said, like she told my sister, like, this is the same baby I saw. So there was always that prophetic image of me being in ministry, of me being like sold out to the Lord as I am now. Um, about four years ago, um, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And what happened is uh, at that time, I was in a relationship with this. Wait, wait, let me stop you. How old are you now? I'm 30. 30. So at 26 years 26 old. 26 years old. Were you gone for I was, years? No, no. I mean, I was living life. I was good. I mean, like most people would say, right? Uh, I didn't have, uh, I mean, I was a sinner, right? <laughs> right. But I was a, an, an educated person, uh, had an accountant degree. I was having a good job. I was making good money. I was like living the American dream, right? No relationship with Jesus. No relationship with Jesus. I was the furth- furthest thing away from God, the furthest okay. thing away from the Bible, um, I mean, I have a background of, of you know, of, uh, in the Bible. I understood it probably more than my colleagues and peers. But at this point, I was just the furthest away from God. Okay. And um, what happened is I was in a relationship. And the, I, I say the relationship story for one reason, is to connect it with something that will happen later. And uh, I come to find out that this girl decides to, like, end things with me. And, and we did. And then I come to find out later that she was talking to somebody else while she was talking to me. And I wow. got really hurt. And, you know, she was not from town. She was elsewhere. Anyways, long story short, I was really depressed for a month. So I didn't leave the house for a month after this breakup. And I was confused. Like, you know, with us men, like, when we see a girl, we start liking and love that girl. We say we want to marry that girl. We do everything in our power to, like— you know, work, make money, get married, buy the ring, all that stuff. So I was on that, and then this happened, so I just got really depressed. Anyways, um, so one day my sister calls me, and by the way, my sister is also a missionary. She's been here, her and her husband, full-time missionaries. They were trying to reach me for many years. I was just, you know— Not hearing it. Not hearing it, yeah, not giving it any thought. She calls me, she's like, hey, come over. I haven't seen you in a long time. Let's go over a walk. 
So I was like, okay. So I go and we're walking around her house and then something inside of me asked her this question. Hey, do you remember when I was like nine years old? Remember like how much I loved God and the Bible? Like what happened to that innocent kid? And I just asked her this question. Obviously, I'm speaking to her in Arabic because, right. you know, we talk in Arabic, so I'm trying to translate things in my head. Um, and she said like, say if it's, he's still there, like, and she's like, you know, she's like talking to me. You know, the blood, blood, blood of Jesus, like you can still be cleansed and it's Amen. fine and all that stuff. And I wasn't really even hearing it. The next day, sorry, the two days after, this was on a Friday. On a Sunday, my mom says, hey, we're going to have uh, like brunch. So come to brunch and then you guys can go to church. So we go to my mom's house and my sister's like, hey, we're not going to go to this church. We're going to go to this prayer meeting in Los Angeles. A bunch of our pastors, friends from Egypt, they're going to come. And me and my friend, we can't drive. So we want you to drive us. I was like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go to some prayer meeting. Like, please, please. My husband can't take us <laughs> wow. and we can't drive over two hours. And that's one thing about Chaldean girls. Like they don't want to, they don't like to drive long period of time. Right. Like, so she talked me into it. So I go to this prayer meeting. It's like 15 pastors from all over the world, uh, m- mainly from Egypt, big names. And I didn't know their big names at the time. Now I'm like, oh, my gosh, like I was in a prayer meeting with this gentleman, right? Wow. So we're sitting, missionaries, their families, they're praying for three hours. I'm sitting in a corner in this living room like, oh, my gosh, what am I doing here? I'm just sitting like, what, why, what, what brought me here? What brought me? Eventually, I close my eyes and I'm like, let me just pretend to pray because, you know, I'm here. You're there. Yeah. I close my eyes and every thought that came to me. God doesn't love you. God will never accept you. You're this, you're that, you're a sinner. And it's just like, I was like listing my sins, listing the people I've hurt, you know, everything I've done. And I was just getting more and more depressed. Now I say that, that story about the girl and that I was depressed for a month. Right. I was more depressed in the presence of God at this moment. Wow. I, I thought like I would rather be dead than be here right now. Wow. I had that thought so a second. And all of a sudden one of the pastor gets up. He was like, we need to take a break. I could, I could tell everybody's like, what do you mean we need to take a break? So he's like, no, I need to share something. Then he goes, Malachi, four, uh, Malachi 1, 2, I think. I have loved you, says the Lord. How do you say, how have I loved you? He says that verse, and all of a sudden, this like cloud of darkness goes off, off of me. Amen. And then he says, someone in this room is thinking this, this, and that. You need to stop. That's, an, uh, that's a demonic attack on your life. As he says that, you know, I, I never believed like uh, in the gifts of the Holy Spirit or like, you know, tongues. Or, right. But I was shaking in my chair. I could not control my knees. I could, tr- could not control Amen. my chest. I was Amen. like shaking. And my sister looks at me. She's like, hey, he's talking to you. I'm like, yeah, yeah, don't make it obvious. Like I'm making it obvious myself with like me not being able to control my body, you know. And uh, afterwards, he pulls me aside. You know, we eat, we hang out. He pulls yes. me aside. He said, safe. Every word was for you. I didn't want to call you out in front of people to embarrass you, but everything was for you. And the Holy Spirit was highlighting you throughout this. this. And I told him, this is your right. This is what happened. He prayed for me. Nothing really happened outside of me, like, understanding. Like, it was as if my eyes opened for the first time and my ears opened. I go home that day, and um, I go to my room. I, I shut the door. I sit on my, my bed, and I'm like, okay, God, what's going on? I, I can't talk. I can't pray. I haven't prayed in ages maybe 18 years at this point. Wow. And I'm just sitting on my bed, 45 minutes, I can't say a word. Now, I mentioned earlier, I was two when my dad passed. So then the one word that came out of me was Papa or, or Dad. And I said that word and I was crying. I slept while, like, I, I cried myself to sleep that wow. night. Woke up next Praise morning. God. Woke up next morning. I was like, Lord, I can't follow you if I'm dealing with this, 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 and that. And number one thing for me was like... uh Sexual immorality. I can't follow you if I'm addicted to pornography and all these things. And so you need to take this off of me. And in that same first week of me kind of, kind of recommitting my life to the Lord, the Holy Spirit speaks to me three, four times. Uh, the same day, he's like, say, what about TikTok? I'm like, oh, my gosh, you're right. TikTok was one of those apps that just kind of like lit the fire of lust inside yes. of my heart. So I deleted TikTok. It was just like a simple act of obedience. Amen. I heard TikTok. Like, you're right. Deleted TikTok. Next day, what about Instagram and Snapchat? You're right. They're not as bad, but they're pretty bad. So I deleted it. The next night or the next day, he's like, uh, why don't you start sleeping like at 10? Oh, my gosh. You're right. Every time I did anything sexually moral, like 98% of the times was like after 10 p.m. So I started sleeping at 10 o'clock. Wow. All of a sudden, I'm waking up at 6. And the next morning, he's like, go find your Bible. So I did those four things. I deleted social media, started sleeping early. Waking up early, start reading my Bible and establish a prayer life. And I went nine, almost 10 months 
Praise God. In freedom. And then I stumble, and then I'm like in tears. Like I went back to square one, and then I just start learning what grace is. I start learning Amen. that, you know, when you stumble, you don't go back Amen. to the first square. You just go back one step, and you just need Amen. to you need to run to the Lord rather than That's run right. away from Amen. him. And the Lord started growing my maturity in, in many aspects of, of, of that. And I went two years after that and just straight discipleship, reading books, getting some mentors that are just like big names. Praise God. I'd rather not say them on live, but uh, long. St- so let me ask you a question. Um, you recently went to Egypt, to the Middle East. Yes. You told me a story. Um, you went right after October 7th. Can, can you share that with our audience? Yeah, definitely. I was actually sharing a little bit outside with uh, with Diane. But, oh, uh, awesome. <laughs> um, so I had this trip scheduled for three months um, to go. where We were going to go to Egypt, build a house of prayer, and then have a, a really big a conference for a bunch of leaders and ministry leaders from all around the globe. Um, I get to Egypt on October 11th or 12th. I believe we, I lived here on the 10th. By the time I got there, it was like the 12th. About five um, days later. Five days later. And, uh, and when I went, we knew what happened on October 7th. Like I already had, I knew uh, like things are, are not going to be normal. The massacre. I get to the airport. Yeah, twelve thirty one a.m. Um, I had to take an Uber, three hour Uber ride from the airport to go to this place because they have like a like a conference uh, building. And I told them, don't drive three hours. Then go, like that's too much. So I'll just pay for an Uber. So I'm this Uber ride, and for li- literally, the guy would not stop talking about Hamas. Hamas is this. Hamas is that. They're the best. Did you see what they did to them? And I'm sitting in the back of this car, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be heck. Like, this is going to be one heck of a ride. Like, I, I, what am I going to do? Right. And I'm just like, uh, yeah, like, you know, I, I'm not into politics. I, I don't really care. I'm just trying to shut the topic, uh, just not to participate. Then I realized I can't do that. This is a three-hour ride, and this guy is just really excited. You can see the Bible, uh, the the Quran on the dashboard, and he's just, like, all in. So then I'm like, Lord, if, if, if you know. Season my speech with grace and wisdom if you're going to have me speak to this guy. So we just started going kind of back and forth. And I started like, like, hey, by the way, you know, I'm from Iraq. And I'm speaking to him in Arabic. And, and I just want you to know, like, I grew up my entire life hating Israel, which is true. If you are, if you are born in a Middle Eastern country, right. you are going with the culture, right? And, and my eyes opened many, many years later here. Um, and I told him, like, you know, for many years I was with you guys, with Hamas, but I don't agree with what happened. He was like, what do you mean? Did you see what they did to us and what we needed to do this to, like, get our land back? I'm like, yeah, but, like, let me ask you a question. He's like, okay. I'm like, you're Muslim, right? I mean, I know he's Muslim. The Quran is right, right, there. right there. But I wanted him to say it. I was like, yeah, of course I'm Muslim. I'm like, what is, um, what is the meaning of the word Islam? And he said, peace. We are the religion of peace. I'm like, awesome. Great. Now let me ask you, do you know what happened on October 7th? He said, yeah. We went in. We we took our right, we killed them, and we took some hostages, and we want to get our land band, uh, back. I'm like, okay, well, do you know what else happened? He's like, well, this is what we see in the news. I'm like, yeah, but you know that's not all what happened. Then I start explaining to him, men, women, children, elder people, people were killed, and just start going through start going through all the all the bad stuff that happened. I told him this one story. I was like, I saw this. This is true. I saw this from from someone that I trust. Uh, that there was a kid that was taken, one-year-old, put in the oven, killed in front of his parents. I saw that. And then the, they took him out on, like, on a tray. They were laughing while the entire family was in, like crying. And then they raped the mom in front of the dad and the kids, killed everybody, killed the dad, and yes. walked out like it was, you know, like, like it was the holidays, you know? And I told him, like, if you don't condemn that, you cannot claim your religion of peace. And I just, like, stopped there. Wow. And then he pretty much... Did not speak for the rest of the car ride. Um, and I, I wish I had like a, an opportunity to share the gospel, but I didn't want to die. And I, <laughs> like, while, I, while I was speaking to him, I, I was shaking to my knees. Like my, I was shaking. You know? What's going to happen? <laughs> so uh, here, we're almost done. And, and I want you to hang out for the message because yeah. you can close this in prayer. But how do people get hold of you? Safe. Yeah, so uh, multiple ways. Uh, the best way is uh, through our website, launchamissionary.com. One more time. Launchamissionary, L-A-U-N-C-H-A, missionary.com. And, uh, you know, we have a young adult program. We have uh, we support missionaries through prayer and finances and other other things. And we also have a pr- house of prayer uh, for our Middle Eastern community in El Cajon, uh, San Diego area. 
Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the on the program today. We yeah. love you, man. We're going to be praying for you. And and what an amazing story. Thank you. Praise God. God is good. Thank you, yeah. Sai. If I can get 30 seconds, I want to talk something Please. about my generation. So if you're from the age of 16 to 30, I want to tell you something that uh, you are in the most important time of your life. Right now, you are in the most important time of your life, and there is somebody that's trying to kill you, rob you from everything that's good that was giving to you from God. And I just want to tell you, don't give up on yourself. We are labeled a suicide generation. We are labeled a lost generation, a fatherless generation. There's many labels and, and, and uh, curses against us. But you are called to become a forerunner generation who will prepare the way for the coming king. I just want you to know that. If you don't have a purpose, that is your purpose. You are a forerunner for the coming king. You are a, a radical generation, radical for Jesus, lovesick bride for Jesus. I want to invite you every Friday night at the Mission Trail Church. We have a young adult program. If you are 16 to 30, come join us. We're going to go after God unapologetically. We're, you know, unapologetic. unapologetically. And just come, come. We're going to do it together, and something's going to happen in San Diego. You're all invited. Woohoo! Praise the Lord. We will be right back. Thank you for tuning in, and remember— we will be coming out of Luke chapter 4. God is good. Woohoo! The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl, or an espresso. The Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy Associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Welcome back to Freedom with Adam Riojas. Thank you for tuning in. And Scythe, if you ever want to listen to him again, he is amazing. Um, make sure that you reach out to him. Uh, if you remember, he's a missionary. Uh, and he's looking forward to uh, to getting together with you and, and blessing you. Um, thank you again for, for being part of the show. But without further ado, let's go into Luke chapter 4. We are taking a break from Daniel if you've been with us on this journey. And we will be back after the new year with Daniel. But since we are in this festive time of year with Christmas coming up and then the new year... I, I want to bring you some messages that are relevant to what's happening now. If you remember last week, we spoke about Jesus and how from Genesis, it was already prophesied that Jesus was coming and that it was going to be a virgin birth. Because if you remember, the seed is not a woman in women, the seed is in man. And so again, uh, Luke chapter four. And today, this is amazing. Jesus is now uh, had just been baptized by John the Baptist, uh, full of the Holy Spirit, and he's he's on his way back to Jordan and or leaving Jordan. And then what happens? Um, he's led by the Holy Spirit into the desert. And without further ado, let's start reading and let's see what God has for us today. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan. Remember, John the Baptist had just baptized him and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Isn't that amazing how Jesus is being led by the Spirit to be tempted of the enemy? Wow! That's why when you look at the prayer and lead me not into temptation, it makes a lot of sense. God, I don't really want to go through that. I'm good, God. I, I'm, I'm solid, God. Bless me now, God. But here we see... 
that the Holy Spirit is leading Jesus into the wilderness. Verse 2 says this, being 40 days tempted of the devil, and in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Now, this story is also seen in, in Matthew chapter 4, and it's amazing when you read it. And also, briefly in Mark, John doesn't speak about it, but the first three synoptics definitely speak about it. Mark speaking the least about it. And when we see in Matthew, Matthew was literally, when he's speaking about the temptations, he's saying them um, as they were happening. He went from the first temptation to the second temptation and the third temptation. Matthew doesn't write, I mean, excuse me, Luke doesn't write them in order, but we will dive in and see what Luke does say. And so he's in the desert now, and the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command the stone that it may be bread. He goes, If you are the Son of God. You know, at this point, Satan has his doubt. He doesn't really know that it's if this is truly the Messiah. I'm sure he followed it, was following. I'm sure he knew when he was born in in, in Bethlehem. Um, and but he wasn't really sure because remember he knew Jesus in his full glory in heaven. Jesus actually created this guy, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When you look in Genesis, the Bible says that Elohim. In the beginning, God, that word is Elohim, created the, the beginning, time, the heaven, space, earth, matter, instantly. And then when we read in Psalms 104, we see that the angels were created on the first day of creation. This is what's mind-boggling. By the third or the fourth day, Satan had already been cast out of heaven. Cast out of heaven. So he knew Jesus in his full glory as the Garden of Eden is being created. And as we read, it says this, Jesus answered him saying, now it's par- it's powerful because Jesus always comes back and quotes the word. And Jesus answered him saying, it is written, it's written. This is already in the word that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So just like food is substance, just like food encourages you, feeds you, fills you, gives you energy. That's exactly what the word of God does. It is actually more important than food because it is the word of God. Yes, we need food to live, but let me tell you, we need the word of God to live to live righteously, to move us into the next sphere of our existence. Whether we want to be in heaven with God, then we definitely want to be in his word, or whether we don't care and just choose hell, because hell is a choice. Hell is a choice. God sends no one to hell. Hell is a choice. You get, you choose where you want to go. And I, again, let's get back to the story Jesus says, it is written that man shall live by bread alone, not bread alone, but by every word of God. Every word of God, everything that he breathes out to us, everything that is written in the greatest manuscript of all time. It is the only book on planet Earth that gives us an explanation how the world was created. And it speaks about every single day, six days of creation. It is one of the most accurate historical books on planet Earth. The Rocks Cry Out. Archaeology. It is an amazing book by every word of God. Now, this is where Luke takes it out of place. Luke um, says, and the devil. And when we go back to Matthew, his second His second temptation says, then the devil taketh him up into the holy city. But here, Lucas is telling us the events that happened. 
And he says, and the devil taking him up into the high mountain showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. That is powerful. You know that that word moment is stigma, meaning a point in time. That is awesome. And then that word point is only in the Bible, excuse me, that word moment is only in the Bible three times. The other time that it's used in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 22, and it says when it's talking about that we will all be changed in a moment, that word moment is atomos. That's where we get our word atom, the atom, meaning an indivisible particle of time. It's, it's so instantaneously. Listen, the sun travels at 186,000 miles per second. That's how fast it travels. And so it's, that's a different, that's an atomos, meaning an invisible particle. It's usually again in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, where the word means um, a present moment. And that word is pautikia, meaning a present moment. When it says at that present, we are experiencing light affliction, which is but for a moment. It just means the present moment right now. But when we look at this word again, when we go back, um, when we look at that word moment, when the devil was showing them in a moment of time, you'd have to be a sucker to fall into that. A moment in time when you can go eternity and be with God. Can you imagine? That's how the, the devil tricks you and I by giving us that sin for a moment. You heard earlier, Saif, when he talked about that the sin was enjoyable. It was only for a moment. And then it brings all those repercussions that come along with it. A, a life of, of just being apart from God. A life of shame. A, a life that will destroy us if we never turn from it. But again, imagine what the devil is trying to do. He's saying for a moment of time, he showed him the kingdoms of the world for a moment in time. And that would only be for a moment. It wouldn't be for eternity. And that's the difference. God offers eternity. Jesus, oh no, this is not going to go down like that. Verse six says this, and the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them. For that is delivered unto me and to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. Listen, this is the enemy of our souls. This is the devil. One of these amazing angels that was created. Phenomenally, a cherub angel. There's only two cherub angels that the Bible describes. One is Satan as a cherub and the other is Michael, the archangel, only two angels. And then this one is a fallen angel. Satan is a fallen angel. So why would Jesus fall for it? Jesus actually created this angel. And there's no way that it was going to go for it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. He's trying to give him something that's already his. Jesus answered and said unto him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shall thou serve. You know, you and I were created to worship. There's something inside of us that wants to worship. And see, that something could be pornography. That something can be alcohol, drugs, thievery, blasphemer, whatever it is. That could be our God. That could be what we worship. There's something inside of us that drives us to cling to something. Why not God? Again, Jesus responded, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him thou shalt serve. I love this. I love this because the word is very clear that Jesus 
God will never give us more than we can handle. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, 1 Corinthians 10.13, it says this, and we need to remember this because right now we're living in some radical times, radical times when everything is, is a free for everyone, when sin is rampant, immorality is out of the roof. There, when parents are allowing their children to be mutilated and they don't even have driver license. In order to drive a car, you need a license. In order to drink alcohol, you got to be at least 18. This is a life-changing decision when they're mutilating a child and allowing them to transition to another sex that never really changes because the DNA is the same. It will always mess with that child. DNA does not change. You can change the exterior, but not the interior. And so again, this is the time to just worship the Lord. And in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says this. There has no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. Listen, there isn't anything that you're going through that others haven't gone through. And then about the, the word of God says this, but God is faithful. Who's faithful? God is faithful. Who's faithful? God is faithful. Who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able. Will never give you much more than you can handle. Will never allow the enemy to take you to the other end if you're his child. He won't never allow that to happen. Because he loves you and I. There's always a way out. But with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God will always give you a way out of your temptation. And will never allow much more than what you can handle to come upon you. Because he knows your breaking point. If you are a child of God, God wants to bless you and you will be his. All you need to do is stay in his word. And if you become disobedient, remember one of the, uh, the my favorite sayings from one of the older guys said this, that if you read your Bible every day, you'll never stumble for more than a day. And that's because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. You're reading his word and you'll get right back up. And so God will never give you more than what you can handle. And he's given us amazing comebacks. It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Get thee behind me, behind me Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord God, thy God, and him only shall thou serve. And then again, the third uh, uh, temptation. Now, again, Matthew has him in order. Luke took him out. The third temptation really is the second temptation. And the second temptation really is the third temptation. Matthew is just speaking about him. But let's look at it. And he brought him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down from hence. Again, what a crazy temptation. If you're the son of God, remember he wasn't fully convinced because he knew him in his full glory. And now Jesus is a man. And I'm sure there was rumors and I'm sure he was there at the birth, but he had never seen Jesus as far as we know, do a miraculous miracle ever. And it says, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down from here, from hence. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. That's a direct quotation that he's taking, but he chops it up from Psalms 90, 91, 11. What I, love, what I love about this verse is that it always reminds me that I have an angel that is always looking out after me. I know some people don't believe in guardian angels. And if you don't want to, you're not, it won't take you to hell. 
But there's some amazing verses that I love that literally are mind-boggling to me. And let me read one of them for sure. It says this in Matthew 18, 11 and 12. For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. How think ye if a man have a hundred sheep and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine and goeth into the mountain and seeketh that which is gone astray? And so it, and so it be, he findeth barely a sense, he rejoices more of them than the ninety nine which were not astray. That's amazing. He's always looking for you. But let me read you the verse that that I I wanted to read that it speaks about that their angels always behold those those his kids, and it's in Matthew eighteen. Now I have to look at it and make sure that I read you the right one because it's mind boggling to me. It's amazing how. He's always looking down at their at his kids. Look what 10 says. Take heed that you despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven, their angels do always behold the face of my father, which is in heaven. He says, make sure because their angels are always beholding their face. Now, again, we get back into the word of God. And it says this, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee and in their hands, they shall bear thee up lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. And Jesus answering said unto him, it is said, thou shall not tempt the Lord thy God. Look, those are amazing things for you and me. Don't tempt the Lord, your God. It is written, worship only the, only the Lord, your God. It is written that man shall not live by bread Alone and the devil, and then it says this. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. I actually love what Matthew says. Matthew and Mark, Mark, Matthew says this about him in in Matthew chapter four. It says this in four eleven. Then the devil leaveth him after he had tempted him, and behold, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. The angels were ministering unto him. Mark gives an, an illusion that the angels were always there, actually taking care of Jesus, protecting him. And it only makes sense that these angels are no doubt looking out after Jesus and making sure that he is good. In Math, in Mark 1, 12, 13, it says, And immediately the Spirit, the Spirit driveth him into the wilderness, and he was there in the wilderness 40 days, tempted of Satan, and was with the wild beast. And look what it says, And the angels ministered unto him. So I get this thing that the angels always looked out after him. Now, don't ever be afraid because in Hebrews 2, 14 to 18 and in Hebrews 4, 15 to 16, it says that Jesus has gone through everything and there isn't anything that he doesn't know that you're going through that he can't help you through. And especially when we know that angels are here to minister to us. Woohoo! God is good. Saeed, can you close this in prayer, please? My yes, brother? definitely. Father of glory, I just thank you right now for everything you're doing, Lord. Everything you're doing in our own lives, in, in our city, in the life of every listener, Lord. I thank you and we bless you. We bless you. We honor you, God. We say come and take your rightful place in our, in our midst, your rightful place in our homes, in our ministries, in our businesses. We love you, God, and we honor you. And we say you are our goal. You are our target. And we will come after. We will chase you. I pray, Lord, that you would pour out the grace uh, over, over or grace over over our lives, that we may know you and not sin against you, like like King David said in Psalm 19. I keep your word in my heart that I may not sin against you, Father. I pray for holiness to come and run rampantly in the land. 
to, to counteract, Lord, the wickedness that we see. We pray, Lord, for young women and men to stand up and to begin to understand who they are in your eyes. We pray for the city. We pray for the church and for the leaders. And we ask, Lord, that you continue to do the better work in their lives. Continue to lead them to glory, from glory to glory. We bless you. We honor you for everything you do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back next week. Remember, God loves you. Jesus loves you, and I love you as well. If you want to contact us, freedom at Adam Rioja, 760-994-3534. God bless you. Thanks for listening to Freedom with Adam Riojas. If you'd like to contact Adam, email him at freedom at adamriojas.com. Make sure to tune in next week at 5 p.m. here on K-Praise. If you missed a show, go to your favorite podcast provider and search Freedom with Adam Riojas. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.